Hey everybody, welcome back. This week, I'm gonna share an interesting conversation I had recently with one of my friends and colleagues who's in a mastermind with me, Mike Brennan. Mike has a podcast called Creative Chats where he has exactly what it sounds like, chats with creative people, artists. Um, And this is an interesting conversation because me being a musician and formerly working in the music industry before coming to podcasting, there were a lot of stories that I hadn't talked about even with you guys. Um, ever. So I want to share this with you because it will be a neat little look inside a lot of the experiences I had in the music industry that has informed the choices that I've made in podcasting and um, in the podcast industry. So again, I hope you enjoy and I look forward to talking to you again next week. Well, Danny, welcome to the Creative Chats podcast. Dude, I'm so excited to talk to you today. Yeah, this is going to be fun. Uh, we haven't actually ever gotten the chance to really talk about our creative sides, um, you know, me with my music history. So I think this is going to be this going to be pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. So before we get too far into things, why don't you just give that little snapshot for people? Like, who are you? What do you do? Who am I? What do I do? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we answer that question so many times on on podcasts, and it's like it it changes occasionally, but really. You know, I'm I'm trying to change the world uh, through the work that I do, and I started out as a musician. Um, that was what I thought my career was going to be, and then discovered podcasting. And so, I realized that podcasts help people understand things; they give people the chance to have nuanced conversations like this. And I thought that was really cool. So I took my skills of uh, being a musician, being a recording engineer and transferred those into the podcasting world where now I'm, I guess you would call me a consultant or a producer where I help people launch and grow their podcasts. And then also for the the busy professional out there that's trying to build relationships and build trust with their clients or future clients through a podcast, I help them um, manage their podcasts with my team and, and keep those going. Right, right, yeah. And you do a phenomenal job, by the way. Uh, Thank you. I always enjoy hearing about what you're doing, and I know a lot of the people you work with, so it's uh, quality stuff for sure. I want to ask you a little bit about your just growing up in the music portion. I think that's Mm -hmm. a good place to start. um, Because I, I like to find out, like, what was the point at which you had, maybe it was a certain experience or just something, a realization, you're like, hey, I am a creative person. Mm-hmm. the music thing, what was it that drew you in? Like, what were your experiences around that growing up? Well, you know, like it's weird for me because I always thought that music was cool and I always enjoyed it. And, you know, I, I had the journey that a lot of young musicians have and that um, I wanted to do something like I wanted to play the drums, but my parents told me, no, you have to take piano first. Um, and they were only casually musicians, like they had sung in the choir and things like that. Um, and so I had to learn piano and I hated it. And I got through it so that I could learn to play drums. And that was fun. And, you know, all throughout high school, I was in band and I started to sing and was in, you know, music theater and all that sort of stuff and, and the choir and the band and everything. Um, but during that time, I, you know, I had that passion. I had that, like, you know, this makes me feel good. I really enjoyed doing this, 
but I always also had that edge to me where, or that side where I, I was like, this is, this is easy for me. And it's potentially a career where I don't have to work as hard because I just, this, you know, I get this or it, it works for me. Um, and so I, I didn't think about many other things just because I was having so much fun as a musician. Um, and so I, I think it was that point of, you know, then going into college and, and really spending time learning how to participate in music as a career. And as you're hearing right now, we talked about the landscapers. They are now here <laughs> on Monday afternoon, of course. Um, <clears throat> but hopefully you're, you're not going to pick up too much of that. Um, so, you know, I spent a lot of time in college learning the technique and learning the, the, the behind the scenes of music. And again, wasn't really thinking about like having fun or like, this is like, okay, I've got to figure this out because it's going to be my career. And it really wasn't until I started, I think, as a professional musician that I put two and two together that, you know, my, um, my, not, my natural talent and my knowledge of techniques and the, and the skills and things like that actually were there for me to be able to express something emotionally through my music and connect with an audience. And I think when I finally got into the, the professional realm um, and was working more to uh, bring an audience in that was paying money and, and loved what we were doing, that I, I got that connection of, oh, this is what music is about and this is, this is why I love it um, and this is why I want to do it as a career. Hmm. Did you have, it doesn't sound this way, but did you have like a trajectory where you had struggled to kind of figure out what the, the, the path looked like as far as professionally making a living from that? Well, yeah. I mean, for, for musicians, it, if you're not just doing it, like, um, say you're a, a songwriter or you're in a band or something like that, if you're going to college and you're thinking about a degree in it, you really quickly get put in, you know, one of three or four tracks, really. Like you're, you're either going to perform. Um, and maybe if you're, you know, you're not amazing, like you're not going to be that person that gets hired to be a performer. Uh, you think about education. Like I want to teach people to appreciate music, become better musicians, that type of thing. And, and if it's not that maybe like, you know, I participated a little bit in the industry side of things. So the people that make the records or promote the records or get things out there into the public and market and, and all those types of things. Um, so you get pushed in those directions. And I kind of, oddly enough, I, I had my toes in all of that um, and then decided to become a conductor. So for me... <sighs> I don't know that it, that it was that I struggled with that decision. It was that I had interests in all those areas. And so I chose, um, I chose a path to being a conductor where I could teach people, but also at the same time, I'd be on stage performing the art of, you know, being a conductor and, and bringing a large group of musicians together 
to create a performance for the audience, but then also could, you know, make arguments for, oh, well, I have to know how to record things and I have to know how to use this equipment because as a performer, I'm going to be recording and I'm going to be recording these groups. Um, so I don't know that I, it's, it's funny to think about that because I don't know that I ever struggled with it. It's just kind of where I fell in the musical world of, you know, my different interests led me on this, this path. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that from the explanation mm -hmm. you shared. Uh, and it's interesting how you say even like you had these different options and yet mm -hmm. you just seem to gravitate towards the one that resonated with you most. I think yeah. a lot of times creative people are so paralyzed by making a choice in going, I don't want to just pigeonhole myself into one thing too, yeah. um, which is hard because, you know, when you have a lot of interests too, um, you don't want to feel like you're stuck doing the same thing and over and over again. You're, you're worried that it's going to get stale. It's going to be boring, or yeah. perhaps maybe you've chosen the wrong thing. And then you spend right. all this time in an area that, you know, doesn't seem to work out. But yeah, I also like I, that you, you seem to, to incorporate those other areas around to kind of help support that. Right. Yeah, I, I did. And, you know, I think I got in the, in the creative world, in the, the world of arts and, performing arts and music, I got lucky in that my, first of all, my parents were supportive of it. You know, there's there's lots of parents from all cultures and all cultural backgrounds that would say, you want to be a musician, you're crazy. No, you're going to mm -hmm. be yeah. this, that, or, you know, you go get your engineering degree, go get your pre-med degree, go get whatever. And you can do that stuff on the side because music's not a real, real career. Um, so I never had to deal with that. And then even in the music world, you know, if you go to certain schools or you train with certain people, you might get with someone who has really strong opinions and say, you know, you can't dabble in that over here. You need to focus on this or, um, that's not the way this works. So you go to those places where you happen to get stuck with the professor that's been teaching for 40 years and is getting ready to retire versus the new young professor who's you know just 10 years out of school and has their just got their doctorate and they're more open to this is the way the world works now um and so i got lucky in that i had a good balance of those people i was in a program where they were open to new things um but even, you know, when I was in school 20 years ago now, um, even in the music industry programs, even in things like that, they weren't teaching a lot of um, entrepreneurial ideas. They weren't mm -hmm. teaching that, you know, if you're a musician and you're going to be a performer, or even if you go into the world like I went into, which was nonprofit arts, performing, performing arts organizations, where yes, you have to be the uh, the artist, you have to be the the musician, the creator, but then you also have to think about the budget, and you also have to think about um, who you're going to hire to help with this, or who's going to be performing, and and what you're going to need when you get on stage at this hall you're renting, and um, those things were just weren't talked about, and you know even back then, twenty some years ago, there were very few programs uh in arts administration which is now you know there's a lot more programs than that and if you go to a school now and you're training to be a performer you're also getting you 
classes in how to manage your finances and how to promote yourself and and how to find you know an agent and work with an agent and what agreements look like and et cetera, you know, intellectual property and all those types of things. We didn't get those as much even 20 years ago. So um, it's nice to see that type of thing moving and it's nice to see uh, the flexibility, but I just count myself lucky that that I had that type of guidance and open-mindedness to the guidance even back then. Mm, yeah, yeah. It definitely seems to be more well-rounded today for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah. that's, that's, I think, such a, a blessing for anyone who's pursuing things today to not have to feel that tension of like, there's a piece missing here and I'm only sure. gonna learn this by on the job training or, you know, like yeah. uh, self-education, you know, uh, those kind of things. Um, and I think even with, um, you know, the, the onset of, for artists and for creators, the onset of uh, YouTube and the, the, the other platforms that are out there for people to be able to, even musicians in particular, share their art to me, you know, has me thinking like I have, I have a nine-year-old son and if he were to ever consider this as a path, you know, I'd be talking to him a lot about, hey, you know, you don't necessarily need to go to college. If this is what you want to do, you could create your own platform now. You can create your own stage. Um, and, and if people like your stuff, you can find that audience that, you, you know, and if you get with the right teacher to learn those techniques and, and things like that, you don't necessarily need to go to school and spend four semesters in music history like I did now, because you could listen to some podcasts and learn all that stuff. You could read a book and learn all that stuff. Uh, you don't need to spend eight semesters in music theory like I did, because you could take a course online and learn all of that stuff with someone who's really accomplished at it. Um, yeah. I, I, that's the fascinating thing for me is that for creatives now, there's a, there's a much wider, um, wider array of opportunities to learn and grow without having to go spend tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars in, in advanced, you know, higher education programs now. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You mentioned building your own platform and, of mm -hmm. course, podcasting. So I think that's a great segue into asking you, okay, so you're doing the music. How does podcasting come about for you? How does it come about for me? Um, I think at first, you know, I, I alluded to earlier, even when I was working in the nonprofit arts world, I consider myself creative, but, like, I, would, I wouldn't consider myself creative in the sense of being a, a composer, like creating something from nothing and, or a writer um, or an artist that just goes out and, and sees a tree and turns it into something that is incredible. Um, I was always able to, to straddle that line of management versus the creative side. And so initially, you know, after working in the nonprofit arts world and then go, leaving that to start a recording studio and working with musicians and recording musicians, which was really creative. It's some of the most creative work I've ever done. You know, being a conductor on stage, you're, you're being creative, but you're interpreting mostly. You're interpreting someone else's work and creating a performance. Um, in the recording world, I was working with people who were uh, bringing their original 
um, pieces of music. And again, I, I was interpreting or bringing covers or bringing arrangements of things and I was helping them interpret, but I was also helping create like, let's add this or let's arrange this song this way and, and make something new. And that was fun. But then the business side of me or the, I don't, I don't know, it's probably the type three Enneagram side of me, uh, started to notice that, man, it's really hard to make money this way. And wow, these creatives have no sense of budget. And like, they're, they're telling me what they want to do this thing. And then they can't pay me the second invoice, uh, you know, for part of this, or this project is going on for a year and a half. And I'm so tired of this song hearing it over and over and over. So it was the practical stuff that started to annoy me. I, I'm that way, like practical <laughs> stuff will annoy me. And then it leads to, oh, what's really going on here? And what was really going on for me was that, yeah, I like this music stuff. And yes, I like that I'm um, moving people and creating these wonderful performances for people, but I'm not changing the world. And there are some real problems in this world. And I see these people over here. And of course, I was learning about a lot of this stuff, you know, being this white middle-class guy from the suburbs who'd grown up and never had any real issues. I was learning about a lot of these problems for the first time, a lot of like these historical problems through podcasts and hearing people have a conversation with someone for a couple hours, um, sharing their real experiences. And so I started to feel just terrible. I was like, making this silly recording for this college acapella group is not doing anything other than giving them a good time and entertaining some people. I want to do more. I want to help more people. I want to change things. And so that for me was that that motivated me to take the plunge and feel good about it, to just really change my business from I'm going to help musicians to I'm going to help podcasters. At first it was wow, I'm getting annoyed at this stuff and let's diversify my activities by working with some podcasters. And then it was like, oh, I like this. Uh, the routine of it, it's kind of nice. Every every week it's a new episode. These people pay on time. But then I started to realize, oh, this is making me feel like I'm actually giving back to the world in some way that I... And I know doing music, I was giving back to the world but it felt more significant with podcasting because mm. I was helping thousands more people in terms of the people that were listening um, or hundreds of thousands at this point, maybe even millions. And to me, that's why, that's why I took that plunge was to really help the world hear these stories. Mm. It's interesting because it's listening to that voice in you that's that was a frustration at first yeah. and following the trail to say, how do I solve this problem? Mm -hmm. And then it opening up other opportunities for you and something that seems like it's it's a much better fit, even yeah. for you in not only your skill set, but in, in just really a deeper sense of what it is that you want to accomplish. Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, did you think that it would take shape how it did? Or were you kind of going in saying, I'm going to figure this out a little bit as I go. I mean, did you have like yeah. models to look at? Like, what did that look like for you as you were trying to build uh, this? Yeah, I mean, that that's a really good question. Um, I really like that because, you know, I've thought about that. At that point, you know, I had four or five years of running my recording studio. And 
that got started by looking at some mentors of how other recording mu music recording engineers were running their business when they were, um, you know, recording groups, but also editing groups, but also mixing. And it was kind of find the work, find the work and, and piece it together. And getting into the podcast thing, like I fully intended, oh, it's going to be the same thing. I'm going to find this podcast. I'm going to find this podcast. I'm going to do the work. I'm going to get paid. And it's going to, it'll just be different and more regular. And, but it was then listening to other podcasters um, that were talking about business or talking about branding or talking about uh, growing your business or creating a platform. And I was like, oh, I should try that, or oh, I should try that. And then I was able to pick mentors from that um, buffet of podcasters to put together something that made sense in terms of, oh, this recording studio that I've been running is is absolute garbage in terms of how the business is run and what the, the model is. I've got to structure this this way and have uh, packages for my services so that every single client that comes in is basically picking from one of three things and we can just rinse and repeat and have the same thing. And, and then it was, Oh, and those packages, I need to charge more for them. Cause if I charge more, I will get a different type of clientele interested in them. And, Oh, I need to redo my website because now I need to feature those packages and, and talk about what our offerings are and how, you know, how we help people do something and who we help and what the value is. Uh, and, and then it was learning from people who concentrated uh, their expertise in, in pricing and, and how to write proposals and how to do sales calls. So it was, again, collecting a group of mentors that then gave me a much uh, more focused and organized business model to then rinse and repeat grow it, add to my team so that I could then continue to grow uh, and then add to the team more to, to sur solve certain um, problems or make sure we had certain roles available to give, uh, not even just to give the appearance, but make sure clients knew that this was a much more legitimate operation than uh, the other random podcast editor out there that was advertising their services for half what we were charging. Um, so that, like, that's where it came in. It was just finding more mentors that helped me reorganize this idea. Uh, and, and also, you know, eventually seeing, oh, there are other examples out there of what we're doing. What do I want to take from those examples? What do I want to change? How are we different? Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think that's, you know, that's the point I'm at now is we know what we do. We know what we do well. How do we find the the people who want that type of service versus what else is offered out there? Mm, yeah. There's so much about what you said that I love. And I think oh, so many creative people, you know, when you, you're first starting out, especially where you're you're really getting serious about it, mm. it's it's important to get past the, this is what I make, this is what I create, yeah. and this is how I deliver it. Um, because you're talking about things that are more definitely on the business side and a model side and systems, things that you're building to help deliver and connect with an audience. 
And I don't know that a lot of creative people spend a lot of time thinking about those things. Right. They're, they're usually more in the technical of how am I creating what I'm creating? What is it that I want to express? You know, mm -hmm. those kind of things. And so I love that you're talking about these things because I'm hoping that there's some light bulb moments that are happening for some people right now as they're listening, going like, oh, you know, the reason why I've been spinning my wheels is because I haven't been thinking about some of these issues yeah. and, and yeah. figuring out how do I actually make this into an actual business so that I can connect and deliver, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I had lots of those, you know, when I was running a recording studio in Nashville, I had lots of those types of conversations with singer-songwriters that would come to town. And, and it's nice because, you know, they're... There are more and more young artists that are thinking this way in, in, in terms of, well, I've got my art that I'm creating, but I also need to make sure people are actually listening to it or seeing it. And I have to think about the business. I have to think about making money because there's, there's no way to do this. And so I would have a lot of those conversations uh, with the singer-songwriter that would come to town and all they would want to do is the old method of you know you go to nashville and you start performing on open mic nights and then you get you know you start touring the the different bars that have songwriter nights and things like that and somebody will see you <laughs> somebody will discover you and it just doesn't work that way anymore so you know you'll see a lot of in new york and nashville and la now that just groups of artists that are making their own thing um, and they've been doing this for a long time, but more and more they're making their own thing. They're, they're booking their own venues. They're booking their own concerts. They're getting together and having um, writing sessions to, to rot, you know, lift everybody um, and learn from each other and grow and, and make sure that people hear them. And they, like I said earlier, now they're, and they're building their own audiences now. They're promoting themselves. They don't have to worry about getting representation as much anymore or getting that, you know, record deal. Uh, they can do their own thing and they can they can find their thousand true fans or whatever you want to call it and make a really great living. Um, and there are examples like, you know, the, the founders of Patreon were were people who were YouTube artists and they were creating amazing things and building an audience and monetizing it through YouTube. And then someone from Silicon Valley said, Hey, you know, this is a really cool thing you're doing. Would you like to help us create a platform where artists could come and um, make a living off of this platform and, and we would support them so you don't have to worry about uh, YouTube or you don't have to worry about Facebook. This can be their thing that they control with their fans. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm glad those conversations are happening. I'm glad yeah. more and more people are seeing that. Yeah. Uh, and you use the word platform too, right? So mm -hmm. obviously podcasts are a great platform, a great way mm -hmm. to help build an audience and position yourself before the right people. Um, mm -hmm. who should be doing a podcast as far as a creative person, in your opinion? Like, what is it, if somebody's considering this and they're like, I don't know, it seems like a lot of work or it seems like, eh, right. what would you say to that person? In terms of creative, like, I, I think anyone could really do a podcast. Where it comes down to me for a creative person 
um, e you know, even someone, let's say, who's in visual arts or uh, theater arts or, or something where you think, well, a, a, that's a very visual thing. Podcast, podcasting wouldn't work. Um, but one of the most eye-opening things for me in terms of, you know, learning about marketing and audiences is that in general, all of these different channels, whether it's video, whether it's podcasting, whether it's a blog, whether it's your website, whether it's social media and how you promote yourself, those are all different audiences. And, you know, the podcast audience is the person who is commuting or, uh, working out or making dinner and is not going to be looking at a screen or reading something. And so if you want to connect with those people, you potentially need to have a podcast. You know, those are the types of people that if they don't hear about you through a podcast, they're not going to come to your show. They're not going to come to, uh, they're not going to buy your album. They're not going to support you. Like that's why you see so many comedians have podcasts now. Because yeah, they'd love for you to come to the the comedy club or or the local you know bar to see their show or whatever, but all those people listening to podcasts aren't even going to know they exist without a podcast. You know, they're, unless they happen to be out at the uh, the comedy club or buying tickets or something like that, they're not going to know. So they started podcasts. Um, I mean, I can see visual artists talking about their process for something or something they've learned or just talking about their life as a companion to um, the art that they create. I mean, it's very similar to what you do as a visual artist and having conversations about the creative process and, and everyone's mm -hmm. different and uh, how they go through that process. That's really what a podcast is, is. And I talked about it a little bit. It's the opportunity to opportunity to build a relationship with any number of listeners. Um, and, and it's sort of the heart, I think, of, of your podcast and that this is a conversation and this is something that human beings have been doing since the beginning of time. I mean, this is how we create. Before we painted things on cave walls, before we um, actually started making more visual forms of art. We were talking to each other. Uh, even before music, this is how we learned things. This is how we passed along information. This is how we passed along history and, and uh, information about our ancestors and things like that. Um, I can see that being what all types of creatives would do is document their journey, document their process, and build a relationship, a friendship with the people that want to hear about that, that want to learn those things about you. And what I see that effect, um, the effect from that for most of my clients is that their podcast listeners tend to be their most loyal fans, tend to be their most loyal followers. They tend to be the ones who buy things, show up for things because they're that inner circle. They're that core audience of people who really have a connection, um, even more so than their video audience or more so than a blog audience. Like if you were blogging about your latest project on Medium or whatever, they can't see you, they can't hear you. And even with a video, they can see you and they can hear you, 
but it may be only 10 minutes long. It may be only 15 minutes long. And, and they see the jump cuts and they see like, and it, there's that disconnect. Whereas with a podcast, it really just feels like sitting down with someone you would go and hang out with and, and have a coffee with. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's how I can see this, this format or this um, medium working for all types of creatives. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And you hit it right on the head there. I mean, me being a visual artist and having the opportunity to have conversations like this and explore other people's creativity, explore their journeys, ask questions and give a broader context for people so that they realize, oh, like what I'm experiencing isn't unique to me or this is how somebody else dealt with this issue that I'm facing right now or here's some resources that I didn't even know was available or, you know, any number of those things to have that happen in the midst of a conversation. Yeah. Um, I know I've had those moments as a listener mm-hmm. and it has helped me tremendously. Like you said before, surrounding yourself with like these mentors yeah. who can speak into you the things that you need in that point in your journey. And it's tremendously helpful. Mm-hmm. You know? And I can give an example. I, I just thought of this. This is even an example outside of the creative world, but, I, I would consider these people creatives in some way. And, and, and this, is, this comes from the science world. Um, science journalism and, and scientists and scientific communication. You know, right now we're in the midst of a, a global pandemic. And this is one of these times where we have um, journalists, regular journalists, regular news media people, uh, regular humans just going about their lives who have to learn way more about science than they ever thought they would have to. Um, If they're a news media person or they're a journalist, they're having to understand things about science that they never thought they would have to. And so we've had this issue over the last, you know, year and a half to two years now where things get misinterpreted a lot or um, not. And I'm not talking just about misinformation. I'm talking about someone screws something up because they read something in a scientific paper. And so right now, I mean, I can tell you, I I listen to several science-based podcasts where they spend a lot of their time not only explaining things and how things work, but talking about how scientists work and not just the scientific method, but what it's like when 15 scientists who are all virologists or epidemiologists or immunologists, what happens when they study something and all 15 disagree. How do they figure out like what is really going on and how do they discuss these things? And why do we review things, have peer reviewed papers and what are the different levels that papers go through? So right now you have a lot of science communicators, science journalists and scientists themselves talking on their podcasts to regular people to say like, okay, this is what this means. This is why we say this. This is why it's not a good idea to explain this this way, because that doesn't mean what you think it means. Um, you know, not even talking about being pedantic and, and grammar and things like that, but this is what's actually going on here. And this is how we came to this conclusion. And this was the process. So it's not something that you can, you know, talk about really quickly and succinctly. Um, and so I like that's to me is a fascinating example of take something where you're an expert at and then be able to show people behind the scenes of how you got there, how you ex- how you learned this, um, how how it can be explained in more simple terms so that you don't have to go and, 
you know, spend four years getting a degree in, in music or in art or in theater or whatever to be able to know what's going on. Um, you know, and most fan, most fans of creatives are going to just be at the level of being passionate about what they're seeing or what they're hearing. But if we can give them a little bit of that behind the scenes, I, I think about going to art galleries and, um, you know, having the little explanation card below the piece is, is fine. But it's even better if you're going to a gallery and the artist is there and, and mm -hmm. you can ask them questions. I mean, that would be a, a, an amazing podcast to me. Like any artist essentially explaining their work and then giving their fans or people that appreciate them the opportunity to ask questions. Uh, you know, that's one of the things that is very valuable in podcasting as well is giving your listeners the opportunity to learn and ask you questions and to, to virtually spend 15 minutes with you um, and, and get to know that thing that they wouldn't unless they were there. Yeah, yeah. Love all that you're saying in that, and especially because you're inviting people into something. You're mm -hmm. not just positioning yourself to be a talking head or to be, you know, having this, this distance between you and the people who really appreciate your work and that you want mm -hmm. to you know, either purchase or become part of the process or invite along, right. you know, um, looking for those opportunities. That's, that's yeah. awesome. I love it. Well, we're at the top of our time already. It's, it's hard to believe. I mean, we had so <laughs> much great conversation, Dan. I really yeah. appreciate this. And I love that, um, uh, people are, are getting their wheels turning, thinking about podcasting, thinking about how it can be something that they can mm -hmm. employ. Um, just one last question. I'd love to know, what is something that you would love to, to leave with people today as a takeaway, a piece of advice? Um, it could be, it could have to do with podcasting. It ha could have to do with just life in general, something you return to often that you think would be helpful for someone. I think the most valuable lesson I've learned in my creative life, in my business life is the idea of, of just get started, start ugly, um, some people will say, you know, the idea that something is done is better than it being perfect. I, as a, someone who was probably too arrogant as a young man and had a big ego and wanted everything to be perfect and is a control freak, that was a really hard lesson for me to learn. But since I've learned it, that you just have to get started and, and start ugly and get something out there. Um, I think that's probably been one of the most valuable things in my journey over the past 10 to 20 years, mm -hmm. because if it's not out there, if you don't put it in front of people, if you just hold on to something and you keep tweaking it, like I think from my recording, um, days, as like a mixing engineer in music, like if you keep tweaking a mix of a song, at some point you're going to polish you know, you're going to polish that turd to the point where it's <laughs> just back to being a turd. Like mm -hmm. it's, it, you, you, you have to get it out there at some point, you have to let people hear it and get feedback. Um, or you'll never know what it needs to be and, and it's never going to grow and you're never going to get more fans and you're never going to find an audience and grow an audience if you don't just get it out there. Um, so I think, I think that 
is the most valuable lesson piece of advice that I could share is to just get started and start ugly. Mm, yeah, good advice for sure. Yeah. And even, you know, whether it's visual art, music, podcasting, just get it out mm. and then make your tweaks along the way for sure. Yep. And that's one of the beautiful things about podcasting is you can start a podcast about one thing and grow with your audience. And as they want and need different things that you can offer, you can shift and you can mm -hmm. change and you can change the title of your podcast. Like you can do all those things. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's a good thing to just get going. Mm. And you have some resources available for people who are interested in podcasting. They're thinking about jumping in. Uh, talk a little bit about that before we go. Yeah, and let me just double check something here. You might have to edit this out. Um, I want to double check this URL because I was just like, oh, I'm going to share this URL and I'm like going to get it wrong. <laughs> yeah, I think that's it. Okay, so I will share it now. So probably the easiest way for people to learn from me or to get started uh, especially if you're considering a podcast, is to check out my membership site, The Podcaster Pod. And you can find out more about it just by going to dannyosmond.com slash pod. Okay, great. Uh, be sure to put that in the show notes, make it easy for people. And I'm assuming from there, people can also follow you on all the socials and oh, yeah. check out and your I'm, podcast itself. I'm Danny Osmond everywhere. And like I said, I've, I've changed my podcast title a couple times. So if you just search Danny Osmond in any podcasting app, any podcasting player directory, you'll find my podcast there. It's called Podcast Strategies. Awesome. Well, Danny, I want to thank you so much for our time today. Again, it was a pleasure to just hang with you, talk about some of this stuff, find out a little more about your journey. And I know it's really going to resonate with our listeners. So thank you. Cool. Thank you, Mike. I had an awesome time.